Hello, everyone, and welcome into the GPS show along with Scott Pirak. I am Gabe Gottesman here on a Friday afternoon, a big sports week. There's no NFL anymore, but that doesn't mean there's any less uh, huge topics to discuss. Obviously, the NBA, March Madness is around the corner. The NFL offseason is um, as important as it's ever been. You can listen to us. Uh, if you're on Spotify, you can listen to us on air Tuesdays and Fridays from 5 to 6 p.m. And then if you're listening to this on 88.9, you can check us out on Spotify, just searching up the GPS show. Scott, how are you feeling today? I'm feeling good. I'm excited for this show. I think we have a lot of good content ready, and I'm excited to see when we go into our first topic, because I think it's something unusual that if you asked me about this five years ago, I would have said there's no way this is ever going to happen. Right. So perfect segue into really seems like for the past few weeks, each day, it's like new breaking news. But Russell Wilson is um, continuing to be upset with the Seattle Seahawks organization. And his agent said that he still wants to be in Seattle. But if he were to get traded, he's not going to be opposed to it. And there's four teams that are on his wish list. Um, and really the only four teams that he would go to if he were to get traded, which are the Cowboys the Bears, the Saints, and the Raiders. And it would be hard to imagine the Cowboys getting rid of Dak Prescott and, and taking a Russell Wilson. Would that be a story? Oh, my goodness. But I'd, Honestly, I would do that because I've been keeping – I think something to keep in mind, though, is that Russell Wilson's 32, which I, I, I'm now quarterbacks are playing longer than usual, which is shown by Tom Brady. But I do think age is going to become a factor soon. Right. I, I One thing I want to – bring up is this idea that sometimes in sports there's players that are bigger than things that are supposed to kind of control them and, and supposed to kind of keep them in check so I mean looking at Michael Jordan the, the last dance documentary it was like almost a year ago which is crazy but when other when the general manager and other people thought they, they wanted to get their their spotlight. They, they kind of had too big of an ego to let Michael Jordan control everything. He was like, I'm out of here. He retired. When LeBron James was in Cleveland, and he was obviously bigger than that city. He's bigger than that team. And LeBron didn't belong really in Cleveland, even though that was his hometown. He he left. He went to Miami, and he built a super team and won two championships. Tiger Woods. Now he's in L.A., yeah. Yeah, Tiger Woods. You think you, – you think – Colin Coward said the other uh, on Monday after Tiger Woods got uh, in the car crash, I, we, we hope he's okay. We think he's going to be okay, which is great. But um, Tiger Woods, before he came into the sport, no player had made over a million dollars in annual money. Like three years later, there was like 50 people that had made over a over million dollars in, in annual winnings from tournaments. He was golf at the time. There was no other player that was even close to him and I think Russell Wilson had this realization a few weeks ago after the season he's like I at this point now I'm 32 years old and I'm I've become bigger than the Seattle Seahawks they they think they can control me they had the legion of boom at the beginning of my career and we won a Super Bowl and then since then Pete Carroll and John Snyder have kind of taken control of things I think a little bit too much and I think that's kind of starting to bother Russell Wilson a little bit and Pete Carroll now, in my opinion, just kind of looks like it's almost like he's everyone knows that except for him that that something's not right. He's running along the sideline, chewing his gum. And I used to be like, wow, like look at Pete Carroll. He's he's crazy. His players love him. Now it's just kind of like 
dude, you got to come on now. Russell Wilson is upset and you got to help him out, get a better offense going, get better projection on the offensive line. And, and Scott, I'm curious what you think. Do you think Russell Wilson's taking this too far with how much we are? Russell Wilson ha, for years has been the guy that's never said anything, but I love this team, you know, go Hawks. And then he leaves. That's all he says. And yeah. I, I think you bring up an interesting point. I, I agree that Pete Kale's kind of stuck in 2013, as I like to call it, yeah. um, with the run first philosophy. But I, I don't think we're going to see Russell Wilson really get traded until kind of this whole offseason plays out with the cap and everything because that's changing because of COVID. And then there's some, I mean, there's some big name free agent offensive lines. There's the one from the Packers and then one from the Patriots. And then um, also uh, the one uh, from the 49ers. How am I forgetting his name? Hold on. The guy that made the insane block for the 49ers, but Trent Williams. Trent Williams. Trent Williams. Yeah, so I, I think it's going to be things like that where I think they have to at least sign one big name center or some offensive lineman that even though it's not really where you may want to spend your money, it's where you have to spend your money. So you, do you think he's taking this too far or is this kind of like, all right, for me, it's like, okay, we can respect Russell here. He, he's he's deal, dealt with this for too long. I I think he's I think Russ Wilson's in the right here. As yeah. strange as that sounds, I think he realizes he's he's kind of on the Drew Brees career path, which is where he starts yeah. off young, wins a Super Bowl, and then keeps on making the playoffs, but can't get over that hump. We saw that with Drew Brees with his infamous Vikings rivalry in a way where he just yeah. couldn't get over them. And I th- I think Russell Wilson realizes that he really only has about four to five years left of football, maybe in general. So I think, I think he's going to be in win now mode. And it wouldn't surprise me if the Seahawks do what the saints did, which we've already seen with them going for Jamal Adams, Jimmy Graham, all those big name guys, even bringing in Greg Olson, which was an interesting move, kind of just trying to bring in headline names to keep Russ Wilson in Seattle. I mean, I, as a Seahawks fan, I wouldn't be, that upset if we went all out for three years, even if we didn't get to the title, the way the Saints did it, where they went all in, they knew they had a few years left with Drew Brees. The Seahawks still have probably eight or 10 years of Russell, but just going all out, knowing that you could win a Super Bowl now and then maybe be terrible for the next five years after that. But if they if they get to the promised land, I think that will satisfy the Seahawks fans for a little while. Okay, so the Seahawks right now, I think with all the chaos surrounding them i think they're still going to be a good team in the nfl and they're always going to be in the super bowl mix as long as they have russell and um jamal adams in his second year bobby wagner's still there um hopefully they stay a little bit more healthy than they did last year and um they had they come on off a 12 win season there's obviously um still going to be good but scott i want to talk about some teams that uh were good last year that may fall off a little bit and then two teams that will you think next year before the draft, before free agency, you think going forward, if we look at this in 12 months, um, they doubled their wins or they improved drastically from the previous season. So um, you can go first. What are two teams? We'll start with two teams that you think will double their wins or um, have a significant improvement next year. I actually have four teams that I think can double their wins. Right. So I'll just go. I'll, I'll do my main two. I'll throw out the other two, which is Colton Dallas. 
I think just Colts with Carson Wentz is better than Phillip Rivers. Dallas, they're getting Dak Prescott back most likely, and yeah. they won't be stuck with Andy Dolan in a unhealthy offensive line the whole year. But my two real teams, which kind of works perfect because they're the first two picks, is the Jaguars and Jets. I think half the reason is they have the first two picks. And they're also the top two teams in salary cap. The Jags have $82 million, and the Jets have $76 million. So they should be able to bring in at least one or two big-name free agents. I wouldn't be surprised to see someone like Allen Robinson sign on one of those teams. Then obviously, I think both those teams will have new quarterbacks heading into next year. Yeah, that's um, the Jaguars one I had as well. I, I, a team that I also throw out because we both have the same one is um, a team like um, the Minnesota Vikings. Even though they had, what, seven wins last year, I think they're still going to uh, – they have the talent if they just improve their defense to really be a 10- or 11-win team next year. So um, that's one team. My other team that is my dark horse to be a Super Bowl – uh, winner and maybe even an MVP winner, I think, is the uh, Los Angeles Chargers and Justin Herbert. We've seen this trend where Russell Wilson in his second year won a Super Bowl, Lamar Jackson in his second year won an MVP, Mahomes in his second year won a Super Bowl. Um, in his real second year in the league, he won an MVP. In his actual second year starting, he won the Super Bowl. Uh, we've seen um, just so many players that in their rookie season show flashes and then in their second year really um, step up to the plate and play well. Maybe another team is the Bengals with Joe Burrow if he stays healthy. I would add on, I think the Panthers, I think they're really invested in Deshaun Watson. If they can pull that off, I think maybe you disagree with me because the Bucks are in there, but I think they become the favor of that division. If they get Deshaun Watson, I think it would be hard. It sounds so strange because obviously the Bucks just had their best season in a very long time and they still are going to have Tom Brady and Levante David. Um, but I think if you can find a way to keep McCaffrey and have Watson, Anderson, McCaffrey, and DJ Moore, I think that might be the best offense in football. That would be Deshaun Watson with a, with a four and 12 terrible Houston Texans team put up insane numbers. So that'd be really good. Obviously. I think the chargers going back to them, Derwin James staying healthy. Um, if he comes back, he's been injured the past two years. People don't realize how good of a player he is. Uh, he's kind of a lot like Earl Thomas or and Cam Chancellor combined, in my opinion. And then you've got guys like uh, Joey Bosa on the defensive side. Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, two big targets for, for uh, Justin Herbert, and he was incredible last year. Austin Eckler, if he stays healthy, that would be a very exciting team to watch, and I think that they would uh, really become, in my opinion, up with the AFC elite with uh, – Kansas City, Baltimore, Buffalo, they would be right up there in the Super Bowl contention. So two teams, in my opinion, that are going to fall off a cliff, maybe have half their wins. First one is the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think that's maybe one of the most popular pick. Ben Roethlisberger only getting older. They lost, what, five out of their last six games. They were 11-0. They finished 12-5 and, and five because they lost that playoff game against the Browns. Um, that one is pretty self-explanatory. They just have nothing going on offense. They need a better run game. Uh, and in my opinion, they need to move on from Ben Roethlisberger because he's just, he's not like Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers or Drew Brees. He doesn't feed himself well. He doesn't work out well. He's not meant to be playing until he's 44. So next one up is the Tennessee Titans for me. Um, the Tennessee Titans, that's, this is an interesting one because they still have Derrick Henry. They still have Ryan Tannehill, but their defense is, 
and their lack of a pass rush really prevented them from uh, from getting past the first round last year. And I think that it could really come back to bite them because we've seen two years of the Derrick Henry show, and I think it might start to take a toll on his body a little bit. And I'd be curious to watch them play to see if they can do anything. I don't think I'm going to be picking Derrick Henry first overall in fantasy next year. I just, I think he might have an off year. I, I agree with that. I think there's a high risk for injury just with how many snaps he takes on in the span of three years. My first team, I also had Pittsburgh, but I'll move on from them. It's the Saints. I think the Saints have 69 million still left in dead cap. So they have to remove that somehow. And they've and that already takes part Drew Brees um, contract basically. He's basically now on veteran minimum. So I I'm interested to see where they go. I think they're gonna have to do a complete overhaul. And it won't surprise me if we see Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston at the helm next year. And if what we saw from Taysom Hill when he played, I don't think that's enough to win what they had this year, which was 12 they went 12 and four um my next team i have the this sounds crazy but it's the texans i think they can lose more than they did this year because i don't think watson's going to be there this year and i think it's going to be a total rebuild and then my final one and this is kind of a stretch i think i would consider it it's actually i'm gonna agree with you but i'm gonna go i agree with you on the titans but i'm gonna go with the raiders i think they're gonna end up being one of those four or five win teams because i think Carr is not as good as people expect he hasn't shown he can win in the clutch yeah everyone does say Derek Carr is underrated he's, and it's he's efficient like, but he cannot he doesn't make those game-changing plays unless you're pl- unless he's playing against the jets and he throws a hail mary with one second left that's the only time I, I, I feel like the jets were trying to lose <laughs> um one team that i didn't put in which is in my opinion, one of the most fascinating teams in the league this offseason is the Chicago Bears because they can go from being right now, they they finished the year uh, uh, just at around a 500 team. They're eight and eight. They could go to 14 and two if they get to Sean Watson and keep that strong defense. They could also go to three and 13 if they keep Mitch Trubisky and he has an off year. It's really weird uh, how that's the most interesting part about this segment for me is like we're doing this before the draft, before the bulk of free agency. And I think we'll do this again because so much is going to change. Let's say the 49ers pull off Deshaun Watson. I mean, they would be a 13 or 14 win team uh, going into the season, you would think. Uh, and they were six and 10 last year. So there's another team that could really improve. One, one final team I want to throw on before we move on. Increase the football team. They went seven, nine with Alex Smith being injured most of the year i mean he didn't they, they started start. out one and five yeah i mean it was the Dwayne haskins show for the first few weeks and then i i think they're gonna sign some big name free agent i wouldn't be surprised if they end up with cam newton as their quarterback next year cam newton sam darnold even deshaun watson maybe jimmy garoppolo's up for grabs there's there's a lot of quarterbacks still left on the market and we've already seen a lot of them change it's going to be exciting obviously and um as exciting as NFL free agency is going to be this year, there's still another sport going on that we love, and that's the NBA. The All-Star break is right around the corner. Uh, and, Scott, a big controversy every year, because there's a limited number of spots, is the All-Star snubs of the year. And 
this year. There's no shortage of, uh, of snubs for sure. Uh, we're going to each pick two players that we think uh, should have made the all-star game that did not. One of the most popular ones was, was Devin Booker. But, uh, but now he is an all-star because of in, in Anthony Davis. Yeah, too. Anthony Davis was injured. It still counts just the same. And I think for this one, people are kind of like, okay, like that, there won't be an asterisk, asterisk next to his name because he definitely deserved it going into it. The fan vote is what kind of ruined him. Um, and then – or the fan vote is also what ruined Damian Lillard from getting a starting spot. We can discuss that. But um, my two, Scott – First one I want to mention is uh, someone that's really flown under the radar. It's DeMar DeRozan, and he hasn't been one of the top guys. He's been snubbed from the snub list, um, is what I, how I would say. The, the team is 16 and 12. They're right in the in, in the thick of things in the Western Conference. He's averaging 19.8, pretty much 20 points a game, seven assists a game, five rebounds a game. I think that's good enough to be an All-Star um, caliber player when you're the number one guy on your team for a very good team in in a conference that uh, clearly has more talent uh, than the San Antonio Spurs have to offer. They should not be this high, but the way they're playing right now, led by DeMar DeRozan, they've got eight guys, eight people averaging over 10 points a game, which is just absurd. And it's really impressive to watch DeMar DeRozan this year, and I think he deserves a spot. Yeah, uh, my first one is Trey Young. I just think... I think that's kind of one of those teams that flies under the radar. He's averaging this year 26.9 points, 3.9 rebounds, and nine and a half assists. And the, it, he, they've kind of been quiet, but um, the Hawks are not actually a bad team. Obviously, they're near the bottom. They're they're 14 about, and 18. They're not totally. Yeah, bad. they're they're 14 and 18. They're about two games out of a playoff spot. But I think Trey Young's one of those that, and I, who I would take out as much as I hate to say this is Nikola Vucevic. I think he's kind of the one that everyone's looking at. Like, how did he get in there? Yeah, you're a Magic fan too. That must hurt to say, but you, I mean, and to be fair, he is averaging twenty four. He's averaging twenty four points a game and eleven or eleven point seven rebounds per game as a center. So, if you, I would still give him his credit. But if I had to replace someone. If you're 14 and 18 in the Eastern Conference, like the Atlanta Hawks are, you're practically the one seed. So, I mean, I've never been a big fan of Trey Young. I think in this day and age, it's not, I'm not like, I'm not going to get hypnotized by a guy averaging 27 and nine um, when he doesn't play defense. And it doesn't feel like his, there's two types of assists, in my opinion. There's the types of assists that guys like, Draymond Green make and now James Harden are making and LeBron, of course. And then there's assists that Trey Young and Russell Westbrook and um, just players like that get where it just feels like they're getting assists to get assists and they don't always make the right play. Um, in my opinion, Trey Young is not going to be a winner in this league. Now, like if he makes like, a documentary, hopefully he finds this and uses this, but. I just don't see Trey Young being a guy uh, with the lack of defense. He's kind of small, and he, he puts up a lot of numbers, but I, I don't think he's good enough to be a winner, and that's why I think he was left out. But you're right. They are a good team. Okay, my next snub is uh, there was a couple – I had a hard decision deciding between two players, Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, and I decided to go 
Actually, I'm going to change it right now. I decided originally to go with Jimmy Butler, but I'm going to change it to Bam Adebayo. And I think that we had a we have a problem in the NBA right now where there's too much um, narrative that's dictating who's regarded as a good player because really Bam Adebayo is um, the best player on this team. Well, I don't know. Looking at the stats, I, I would say Jimmy Butler's the true he, best player on that team. But I think Bam Adebayo averaging almost 10 boards averaging almost a double double with nearly 20 nearly yeah, 20, 20 points and 10 rebounds i mean jimmy butler is averaging 19 8 and 8 so they're both actually really maybe they're both got snowed but i'm just gonna pick bam because i think um if you just look at them purely um without knowing the names in the finals last year jimmy butler had that historic performance throughout the playoffs and i think that kind of has led into this that he, people feel he got snubbed just because of that a lot of a lot of the same reasons why luka Doncic's probably made it over uh Damian Lillard just because he was supposed to be the MVP people are like okay yeah he played well enough but I think Damian Lillard deserved it over him so I would say Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler I think both snubbed with you're right Nikola Vucevic and then Ben Simmons in my opinion uh, just not putting up enough numbers you got I know numbers aren't everything but you, you gotta at least score like 15 points a game yeah I think you bring up interesting points i have two left i actually had bam and butler but i'm gonna replace them with don um sabonis from yeah, demont sabonis yeah from the pacers the pacers are actually a fourth in the east and i and i think that sabonis kind of runs the offense he's kind of like the joke the joker of the east is what i like to call him yeah they run the offense to him he has averaging 21.5 points per game 11.6 rebounds and 5.7 assists so uh, he's leading the team in basically every category, really, when it comes down to it. Um, Brogdon's the actual leading score with 21.7. But um, I think he's mine. The two from the East for me are Young and Sabonis. And then out of the West, this is this is what I don't know if you would agree with. Mike Conley from the Utah Jazz. Yeah. I think everyone, when you think of the Jazz, everyone's eyes immediately go to Donovan Mitchell because he's the one that does the flashy dunks and can do some crazy moves. Mike Conley, he's only averaging 16 points a game and five 5.7 assists per game, but he's third in the team in player efficiency rating. He's actually higher than Donovan Mitchell. Um, and I think he was kind of in and out of the lineup last year. And when he's been on the court, they've looked really efficient. And I kind of think he's the link on that team. So I would put him into. Yeah, the Utah Jazz are watching them play on Wednesday night against the Lakers. To start off that game, like Conley just he's just so fast and he's just he he's a really good player for this team. Obviously, Jordan Clarkson is another guy um, that could get snubbed on inside the NBA. I think it was Dwayne Wade saying that why not have a, a sixth man make the all-star game? No one even thinks about Jordan it. Clarkson. Lou Williams was averaging over 20 points a game. He wasn't making it. Jordan Clarkson, he's been a great player on this team. Just because someone's a, a bench player, um, he's still averaging over 26 minutes a game. It's not like he's playing starting numbers. So uh, I think that that's actually an interesting point to bring up. Scott, finally, before we close off the show, I want to address something that you've been kind of tearing me apart for, which is a couple of weeks ago, I said the Brooklyn Nets weren't going to make it out of like the second round. And I said that they were overrated. Would you like to apologize to me? Yeah, I, I can like, I, I always say if that. I can quote you, you said Kevin Durant has not been efficient. No, I, I think... said, I didn't say that. You're misinterpreting what I said. I said he hasn't been 
he, he's not going to be the one that's getting the ball at the end of the game. That's what I meant. And I think that he is the best player on that team. And he's not getting the, the reps, if that makes any sense, that he should be getting. So I think if they moved Kyrie Irving, they might even be better. But I forgot what the NBA is. Like, it's just the number of stars you have really is who how good of a team you are. And that's... I mean, yeah, I think... In my opinion, that's sadly... That's kind of a sad reality because watching teams that pass it around, like the Suns, that are the Jazz even, are playing really well, really good team basketball... But it's LeBron in, in the West, and it's Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving in the East that are going to end up making the finals. Uh, yeah, I think you bring up a good point. I mean, the, we always talk about how bad their bench is, but you don't really need a bench when those three guys are averaging 81 points per game combined and having 21 assists per game. And Joe Harris can't miss for some reason. That's another thing. Joe Harris might be the most underrated player in the NBA right now. And, yeah, I, I they're kind of – and I think with KD out, we've been we've really been able to see how dominant they have been. I think the biggest game from that that comes to my head immediately is either the Lakers or when James Harden came back from 24 points down and hit amazing shots. I believe it was actually against the Suns, yeah, when the Nets rallied from 24. Um, so I think, honestly, I think that's one of my all-stars too. I think Harden could have been a starter. Yeah, James Harden was averaging 25. 11.6 assists, 8.5 rebounds. Uh, but either there of those guys, a, if there was I, I think he should have made it over Kyrie. But um, yeah, the Nets, I don't know. I guess I was just like, when they were kind of had that a little bit of a losing uh, stretch, I was just like, they can't play defense. When they lost to the Wizards, um, and they just, they lost 149 to 146. I was like, come on now. like that, that And now... Well, they've won their past seven straight games. Um, Against they, good teams, too. Yeah, they they are definitely a team that is going to make the finals, and I'm, I would be so excited to watch a Lakers-Nets final. I, I have one more thing I want to bring up, and then we'll wrap up the show. It's rookie of the year. We're, we're about halfway through the year now. Obviously, last year, the big debate was Zion or John Moran. Who's it going to end up being? I think this year, in my opinion, it's all, I've already narrowed it down to Anthony Edwards. And as much as I hate to say it, yeah. LaMelo Ball, because I feel like he's, he's, I feel like we've kind of grown up with LaMelo Ball with that whole Ball in the Family series. Um, but I mean, LaMelo like Ball. 95 points like that in, in high school. Yeah. And I mean, he started the half court point shot. Um, but I mean, last night, they, or I guess two nights ago when, we're, when we post this, um he kind of brought them back against the suns he's been efficient he have he has 14 point points per game and 6.1 assists per game um i think for me lamella ball is the clear runner in this would you agree with that do you think anthony edwards can still come back and take it no i think that it's definitely lamello uh and they're in the playoffs as well as to lose yeah they they are i mean the thing it, that's so interesting is like you're right. We kind of grew up with him and we watched him in high school, like just fling up like full court shots for the fun of it. He, he didn't, it wasn't like he cherry picked. He like literally cherry picked, stood on the other side of the court waiting for the team to get, he didn't play defense. And then he went off to Australia 
and he went off to like Eastern Europe and he just and and he and his dad made a league. Yeah, I think it was definitely the weirdest path we've seen to the NBA. I and I think that's in Australia. In Australia, he he really matured a lot and got a lot better at defense. He's just I think that was that was the biggest question of Lamelo coming into the league is how as strange as it sounds, it was kind of how serious is he going to take the NBA? Yeah, and I think he's shown that you can. He's kind of found that perfect mix of being flashy while being efficient. Yeah, I want to congratulate the Hornets. It was a little bit of a a scary pick to make because you would think about what would happen if he was bad, and you're like, come on, you had to know LeVar Ball's son. The, the second – Lonzo Ball is, is not worthy of a second overall pick, and it looks like LaMelo Ball should have maybe gone number one in the draft. Would, would you take – if you were the Warrior, I think it was the oh, – sorry, the Minnesota Timberwolves in that case, if you redraft, would you have taken LaMelo one? Um, yes. I think I would have. I would still take – James Wiseman, too, for the Warriors because they didn't need another guard. But, yes, LaMelo Ball is the best player in this draft, and he looks to be just a really solid player. He's averaging already 15, 6, and 6. He's a great passer. He can make tough passes, and he's just a a really good three-point shooter. He's improved a lot. Um, So Alonzo needs some lessons from him. Already double-digit starts for him. So it's exciting for LaMelo Ball. I think it's also exciting that he's like Michael Jordan's little son in a way that I think that it's going to be interesting if the, if the Hornets. I don't know if I'd go that far that he's Mike. I know what you're Michael Jordan for. finds he, a way to win a championship as like an executive. That would be pretty cool as an owner. I, I yeah, I think, I think that Lamelo is really going to end up blossoming at the end of this year. I would not be surprised if we end up seeing the Hornets holding their ground and keeping the spot. Thank you for listening to the GPS show. Make sure to also listen on Spotify, and we will be on every Tuesday and Friday. You're listening to the GPS show only on 88.9 The Bridge.